0: Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast, well, Spotify's got a platform that, makes, that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for, for Podcasters, and here's how it works Horses kinda snuffy Cold chill up your spine
1: You'll get your ass moving somewhere,
2: we burning daylight Howdy
0: there, I'm Matt McKinley and we're burning daylight,
2: daylight. In the subtle tell the job's done right
0: Welcome to Burning Daylight the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well howdy there, Daylight Burners. Happy Monday. Hope the weekend treated you all right. It wasn't too bad here. Uh turned cold though. I was not prepared for it. It was uh it was really chilly and uh yeah, did not like it. Zero out of ten would not recommend um, anyhow, I've got a cool show for you today. Uh, Mr. Bill Plouffe, he's out of uh, Eastern Montana, and uh, he he contacted me on uh, on Facebook the other day. He's a friend of Dan Hartman, who's a friend of the show, and um uh, yeah, I just had a really, really cool conversation with him. I think you guys will like this one, so uh, um, also, before we, we move along, for everybody who's not subscribed to the Patreon episodes, uh, we released uh, another episode with Mister Boots O'Neill. Uh, those will be uh, I'm calling them Sundays with Boots. Back to that, and um, when I when I get a chance to to call him and have a have a chat with him, I will uh, I will try to get that recorded and posted to the Patreon only. So anyway, if you're not subscribed and you want to hear from boots O'Neill go ahead and head over to patreon.com burning daylight and you can subscribe there so anyway um here is mr bill Ploof the punchy pig farming preacher did I get there yeah the punchy pig farming preacher mr bill and let's get into it It's looking pretty bright. We'll get your ass moving some,
2: you're burning daylight.
0: Like a herd of turtles. Um, <clears throat> I uh, for everybody tuning in, um, uh, burning daylight listeners, I've got a fella named Bill pluff here. Uh, I'm guessing ploof, that's how ploof. It, ploof, ploof. Okay,
1: ploof. yeah, just kind of ploof. I'm gone,
0: so <laughs> <laughs> bill, bill I like that. Bill ploof Um, and uh, and Bill messaged me here the other day, and uh, he, he was saying he's a friend of Dan Hartman's, and uh, and they he uh listened to the podcast and wondered what no what it took to get on. And I, I told him not not much because uh I'll argue with a post, but I'll talk to anybody. And uh <coughs> and we uh we we got to message him back and forth, and uh and he, he told me a little bit about what he's got going on. And uh, I was like, man, I uh yeah, I, I want to talk to this guy, and also I like you, you uh you said you're a pig farming uh cowboy preacher uh some I'm, I'm the punchy
1: pig farming preacher
0: there we go there we go <laughs> and uh and, and I, I i didn't want to offend you but like and then we got to talking you know we're, we're we've both been around cowboys plenty plenty enough and uh you uh you're you're the guy that we all try to try to live up to you know, like we're, we're just like hey uh well, be more be more like bill okay don't don't be an asshole be like bill all right (laughs) and uh, so um but anyway i I just i it was one of those i like i i just like talking to people and uh and uh i don't don't know where this conversation is gonna go and uh i I really don't care i just i i look visit i look forward to visiting with you so um yeah you guys just sit back Mm -hmm. and uh and enjoy the ride
1: well, well, I'm going to start out there with you. Just, I was thinking about you said you spent time over there in Big Sandy on the IX, and yes, sir. I, I grew up yes. on I grew up on the high line of Malta there, and uh, um, you you were and you were talking to Greeley when You said you figured out why all them people fight up there is because they're so cold and they're mad and they just punch each other because of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm having grown up on the high line and having before my time with Christ been quite a pugilist. I think you're right. And now the only, <laughs> only thing is we, the only thing we had besides cold weather in Malta, Montana, right next to it is Saco, Montana. And it's the mosquito capital of the world. So we had really cold winters and mosquitoes all summer long. Mm. So yeah, we're 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 pretty we're pretty rangy, I I guess might be the word to use. <laughs> and and so when you were talking about, you know, that's why we fought. I think you hit the nail right on the head, Matt. You, <laughs> just you're just right, fight, so. fighting,
0: mad all the time.
1: All, yeah, well, all the time. I think it's to keep. It's probably half of us just to keep warm in the winter. I mean, it's. I remember I grew up south of Malta, part of my life, and we grew up uh, part of when I when I in my younger years we were out on my mom's uh, side of the family's homestead. Her her great grandpa and his brother's uh, homesteaded it in 1908. And what's kind of interesting is we still have the wagon they homesteaded with. And so oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, my dad passed away and I'm going to get all of his wagons and stuff. And so that one will be coming down here to my place and stuff now. And, but anyway, uh, you know, and it just, and I remember getting snowed in out there for two weeks at a time and just cold as can be and the power would go out and we'd be melting snow on the stove just to get water for dishes Oof. and, and cooking and stuff. And, and so, and then the uh, second part of my, you know, my, my, we moved into what would have been my dad's family's place. Then when we got into about, oh, ladder, my latter part of uh, grade school, we moved there and it was a mud farm. So there were a lot of irrigating there and the mosquitoes and stuff. But uh, And so, you know, there again, I, I, the hard winters are definitely something that um, I'm used to. But um, I don't like them anymore moving south of the Missouri River to Lewistown. It's funny because usually it's 20 degrees colder up there in Malta. And uh, it's getting to be a better place to visit than to live.
0: Yeah. You know, I I have, I, I feel the same way about southeast Colorado now, too. Like, I, I live here in this this little valley in, in Nevada. And it's kind of a banana belt. Like, it gets, it gets hot enough in the summer. Like, it'll get over 100 degrees but not for very long and not for very many days at a time. And then it'll get down close to zero, but I don't, I don't know if I've ever, I've been here five years now and I don't know if it's ever been below zero. So like, it's, it's not that cold. I mean, it'll, it'll get cold enough to be irritating, but, but like not real, it's not Montana cold It's not even close to Montana cold. And, uh, And so like I get a little bit spoiled and then I'll look at the, the weather app on my phone and see, see my hometown. And it's cause it's very similar climate to, to Southeast Colorado, except without the, the highs and the lows, like, uh, like you can knock about 10 degrees off the high and about 30 degrees up from the low, uh, Uh, as compared to back home is where I got now. So uh, it's it's a real type of banana belt. And so when it's like 10, 15 degrees here and, and and pretty cold, you know, and then we're, we're also on the river. So you get the moisture and it makes it a little colder and I'm feeling a little miserable. I'll look up back home and it's 15 degrees with a 60 mile an hour wind and, uh, the wind chill of minus 30. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, yo, I, This is better. (laughs) This is better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I can
1: totally relate to that because right here in Lewistown we got five small mountain ranges around us. They call it the snow hole because we do generally get more snow than up at up at home. But it's funny, we're 130 degrees, 130 miles south of where I grew up, and you're right, it's about that same kind of thing. It's about 20 degrees warmer in the winter, and about Ten, fifteen degrees cooler in the summer, and you know we'll hit a few days. It might knock on ninety-five, maybe a hundred, but it's it knocks here, but it does the door doesn't open. And yeah. up there, in Malta, man, I'll tell you what, in the summer, oh my goodness, you just you know it was just rough. But the, the challenge we have is, and, and I'm probably going more towards. I know, like my my wife struggles with. A garden's a little harder to grow here, though, because mm. we don't get some of that warmer, warmer weather. Yeah. I, I her, my dad my dad was a bit of a gardener, so she'd sit and look at him and my dad'd literally grow potatoes that would really feed feed my family of four, one potato, you know. And she's yeah. struggling to get potatoes, but yet on the other hand, most our grasses and our crops that are around here are obviously over time have adapted to the climate we're in. And so but um yeah, like I say, I I I, I still struggle a little bit the mentality here is a little different than the eastern montana mentality but uh on the flip side of that uh the weather climate and my family living here uh yeah i kind of like living here a lot more than i used to we'll just put it that way yeah. so well um <laughs>
0: yeah. well tell me a little bit about that eastern montana mentality because that's that's yeah. where the that's where the old timers went was eastern montana like like they, 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 uh, they kind of went up in the, in the Missouri breaks and whatnot, but they, for the most part, that, those first couple of drives were there on the plains because that's what they knew.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause as I messaged you, I spent about six different summers out on Tucrow, which is in, uh, right on the Missouri. Well, actually, uh, crooked Creek runs through it and it runs a little bit over into the Missouri river, but there's, I believe it's called Lodgepole Creek. And mm-hmm. it's right there kind of where the, the, it runs the it's the uh a muscle shell runs into the missouri and that was actually the final trailhead of most of the uh uh drives that came up from from down south or a lot of them for this area you know and then they disperse them out from that area and stuff but you know it's just like for me i'm um even my vet the other day when we were talking, i said, i know there's not a lot of people that are like me and he's like yeah there isn't bill i you know i kind of I kind of figure if I ain't living out on the edge, I'm taking up too much room. But yeah, uh, you know, it's it's you know the eastern. I'm just, I guess to kind of think about growing up. You know, I kind of grew up in an area that you know, like with the smaller farm ranch. You know, we had both farming and ranching, and you know, we 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 neighbored. You know, you kind of seen what the neighbors did, and you know, the rope and drag and you know, the cowboy. And, and, you know, and I, I just thinking back as I was thinking about this podcast and my life and just trying to share, you know, some stories and kind of what's shaped me. And, you know, I remember dad riding horses, and riding colts and stuff, but I don't remember seeing him start them, you know? So, um, you know, and, and why that is possibly cause I was at school or, you know, just the different yeah. things he probably fitted in the cracks of life and
0: stuff, but well, you know, and you're, and young, guess, you're not, you're not even paying attention to that
1: yeah exactly exactly and you know but i just remember you know being around horses and I, I about my whole life remembered dad having a team of some team of horses of some kind mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it might have been two saddle horses he threw together you know he finally got to the point where he was driving the black percherons because that's uh he what his he, he remembered his dad farming with the black percherons and so he had black percherons you know up to the end here and stuff and but, you know, just the Eastern Montana mentality to me is kind of, uh, you know, kind of the you hit that Central Montana, and it probably determines kind of how we do things, if you will. And I know you had Marshall on here the other day, and he was saying he was leaning a little bit more buckaroo. We might have to go out there and string him up and, you know, stretch <laughs> him out and help him get back to the. Yeah. No, I just tell people. Get, tell it, get people his I mean, head right,
0: as they say yeah, in yeah, Texas, I, you know? I, I
1: tell yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell people I ain't a puncher and I ain't a buckaroo. I'm just a bunch of roo, you know, so it's just kind of, <laughs> and that's the thing is I think a lot of it's just evolved over time of everything, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I just remember guys that are a little older than me, 10, 10 years older than me. You kind of looked up to them and you're like, man, them guys were, were cowboys, but you know, I don't ever like, as a kid, you know, uh, an outfit in southern Phillips County that had five to seven hundred had a cow. You thought that was a big outfit, you know. That's yeah. just kind of what that was big, you know. And and you know, yeah, 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 yeah kind of moving my wings out a little bit. And I really never cowboyed much out of Montana, but you start finding out, you know, there's bigger places out there yeah. and stuff. And
0: well, I that, have one. That's how of my, it was going, for me in in southeast Colorado. It's like. You know, you you find somebody that had uh, you know five six hundred head, and then they're like the big outfits had you know 1, thousand fifteen hundred, and you're just like, wow, that's you know that's a lot of cows. And then I, then I went to go work at a feedlot. and and when you'd <laughs> you'd receive five thousand head in the night, you're just like, ah, that's that's a lot of cows. And then <laughs> but uh but then then I you know I was uh, I was when I was at Cactus, we we had uh, some. Uh, anywhere between 5 and 7,000 head of Ooh. mama cows when we were trying to do that confined cow calf deal. Ooh. And uh and that was I mean that was a lot. That was a lot. And uh but then then you look at some of these these outfits here in Nevada and it's you know 5 to 7,000 head of cows, but you're talking couple million acres and uh right. and it's not all put together. I mean there's like there's big chunks, but there's still you know there there's a fellow that uh like that, that come to work uh with us here the other day, and he was talking about from his camp to to headquarters was sixty miles and you're like hey, that that's a big damn ranch <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. a oh, big ranch <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, yeah, you know being out on Tucro, i mean, it was right knocking on fifty thousand acres you know and that's a big you know i mean yeah. really the reality is is anywhere that's a big place but in Montana that's that's knocking on the bigger size of, of you know there's like I say bigger places out there and it was a prominently a yearling outfit and you know and and it, well right out of I went to college for about a quarter and I ran out of money and I went to work with some people in South Phillips County and they were a cow calf operation with yearlings, and 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 that, that they were running on the north side of the Missouri down in the Missouri breaks and some onto that CMR game range and That's I think where I got my love for yearlings. I, I don't know. Some days I'm like, I ain't a cow calf guy. I almost hate, you know, I almost hate calvin to be honest with you. You know, it's just, I I, I like, and I don't hate it, but I don't like, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I weed run he ran yearlings and I'll tell you what, you start figuring out what a yearling is and, like I say, being wired that way, it was just kind of fun running yearlings down and roping and doctoring and stuff. It is, uh,
0: it's the sure enough cowboy thing. Like if you if you just never grow out of roping, yearlings are the uh, is your gig. That 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 is okay. your gig. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, And then so I, yeah, I landed on that two crow there. I can't even remember the first summer, you know. And I was out there about three summers, and then I went out there two two summers and managed it, and then. I went and helped them get started last year. Changed uh, the guy leasing it changed, and they asked me to come help him get started. But yeah, you talk about it's just like you know. <laughs> sometimes you just have to rope a yearling because the uh, ear tag was crooked. You know, you just I, got to. A- <laughs> oh, you? That, <laughs> you
0: know? you're, you're telling me I'm the same way with Holsteins. <laughs> that that one, <laughs> she looks a little more inbred than the next, so I'm going to rope yeah. her because of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and so you kind of. Start getting a taste of that you're kind of like you know dad i appreciate it never really saw it you know and anyway so yeah you kind of get that taste of that yearland deal and you're kind of like this this is kind of it here and stuff but the hard part was is it was just a summer gig and so i was leaving my family back here in lewistown and i was going 75 80 miles away and You know, as soon as you leave home, something's gonna go awry, you know, every
0: time, every time,
1: you know, and the poor wife and kids and she was actually that the one summer she was pregnant while I was gone, you know, and relation, relationally, I'll admit it probably wasn't the wisest choice I've
0: ever made. Let me tell you, when I moved out here. so my my son was born and I uh, was born on January 11th, 2017, and I moved out to Nevada on March 20th, 2017. And uh, my wife and my newborn son and my two year old daughter stayed behind with uh, uh, on the property we had just bought three months before <laughs> and, you know, it's like, uh, uh, that, that ain't a cowboy story. I don't know what is, yeah, you right. know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's it, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I, I was, so we, we were talking about, uh, how, how Montana is just like a different different type of people up there, you know? Uh, and, and I feel the same way, like Australia, Uh, you know they like they have a different you know it was was a penal colony for a reason and uh (laughs) and then then there's like the people that just stayed on on the high plains and and you know you and like i coming from the high plains i look back at it now having escaped i'm just like why why would you (laughs) uh, um, but but i also think about the different styles of cowboying, and so i've got a and I haven't decided if I want to do like a, like a comedy bit or or a cowboy poem or or a little bit of both. But I, I I've got a I've got a bit that I'm working on. It's like the different styles of horsemanship are akin to the different styles of liquor. Where like the buckaroo uh, descends from the vaquero, and the vaqueros are originally Spanish, so they drink the wine and they like the fancy artistic part of it. And that's where the, the buckaroo came from. Cause they came from, you know, Mexico and then California, but originally from Spain. And then, then you got like Kentucky, like they want to be blue bloods, but there's still a bunch of rednecks here in the middle of, you know, the <laughs> middle part of America. <laughs> Uh, but uh, right. they let, they kind of like to act like they're so so they don't have the scotch like the Scotsmans do, but they got bourbon, which is, is kind of close, but it does. It still doesn't have like the same prestige as as, as scotch. Uh, and then there's a place like Montana where if you move to Montana and you ordered a, a bar or, you know, ordered a shot of whiskey, it might be turpentine. But you drank <laughs> you, you drank it anyways because that's what you had. And that's what I feel about Montana Cowboys. Like that that horse bite might be uh part kangaroo, but that's what you have. So you, you throw your rig on him and step on anyways, because what else are you gonna do? You you can um, get on him and try yeah. to ride him or you can just lay there and die, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No,
1: I think you you're hitting it right there. Actually it's interesting because you know they're they're ended up to be quite a few sorrels and bays and there's still a lot of sorrels and bays running around this country and they say that that historically the reason there were so many sorrels and bays that ended up in Montana was because the number of outlaws that ended up in here and they'd ride them sorrows and bays so that they weren't as distinguished as if Mm -hmm. they were riding something that had some color to it so yeah you know it's it's you, you say that it's interesting because um yeah, there are definitely a lot of outlaw blood up in this country. You know, uh, just north of here where I grew up there in the in the Little Rockies, you know, it's kind of a little bit legendary with uh, Kid Curry. He was an outlaw, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid ended up in that country, some with uh, with Kid Curry and stuff, and you know, a little bit of my family history on my dad's side. Sometimes I've wondered where my wild streak came, and I actually got a a, a cousin that's – He's about I think 10. he might be closer to 20 years younger than me and I always said it was a good thing he's younger than me and we didn't grow up together because he's kind of got that same wild streak as I do. He's yeah. got bulls and a lot of the same things as I have. He's growing up now because he's got a wife and kids but anyway uh it my my uh my great grandpa, or excuse me, my grandpa on my dad's side, he actually bootlegged whiskey for Al Capone for a while there. Oh no kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because I was working in the feed store there right out of college there in Malta, And this old boy comes in there and he was just kind of trying to pull one over on me and be about half miserable. And he looked at me and he said, did you know your grandpa Louie bootlegged whiskey for Al Capone? And I did, you know, mm-hmm. and I looked right at him and I says, well, he had to do something to feed them 11 kids, didn't
0: he? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, you had 11 kids in Montana hoping one would live.
1: <laughs> you know, the thing is, is all of their kids live, Grandpa Louie and Grandma Mabel, but, you no, know, I just I don't know, I, I, I really like my family history on both sides and just, you know, kind of knowing where I came from and, and what, but it was said my grandpa Louie and grandma Mabel had a little restaurant there on main street in Malta, And like I guess he didn't have all eleven kids when he was bootlegging whiskey, but you had to, you know, if somebody pokes a jab at me, I'll push back, you know, kind yeah. of a deal. But anyway, so it, it was told we was at a uh, one, it was at Thanksgiving. It was always the blue family's biggest holiday. And we all sitting there one time and the story comes up, but they had three kids crawling around on diapers in the upstairs apartment above this restaurant that grandpa louie was running down below (laughs) and the day that there was gunfire that came up through the the floor of the apartment i guess grandma mabel said it was time to go find a different place to live (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome well yeah uh, and so then to, to jump a little bit further back just a little bit of where my history is and maybe i was gonna say like let's
0: let's uh let's let's take it back to the, the beginning where'd you come from where's your where's your family well, originate and uh well and and all yeah, of that so,
1: yeah so i mean we're, we're on my dad's side we're french descent uh grandpa xavier um he come down out of canada and it, it, if I'm trying to remember the history right, he was in Malta for a while, then he went over to Frenchtown, which is over by Missoula, Montana, and that's why they called it Frenchtown was because mm. it was a French settlement. And then he came back to Malta. And the interesting uh, be, thing before is, before
0: you before you go on too far, <clears throat> I got a question. Yes, sir. Did all the brave men of France move to Canada?
1: I couldn't tell you because they must because.
0: Because I don't be know,
1: there's a whole lot of them left in France, is there?
0: I I don't think so. You know, and like it used to be like uh, I, I guess Napoleon was kind of like the last like 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 legit like manly man French dude, even though he was a little tiny fella, but he still like he still went out and did some did some shit. But like since then, they've kind of been uh, more of a like throw up the white flag. And I wonder if it's just because they all ended up in Canada. And uh, I I don't know because like so those those uh, those Frenchmen that that settled uh, uh, Canada are like that that those are some some hard fellas.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Canada. You know, northern Montana is just an annex to Canada. So, yeah, yeah, southern
0: Southern Canada.
1: It's cold, <laughs> cold and rough. But yeah, so Grandpa Louie, he ran the stagecoach for all the resortmen for a while there and stuff, and so. The interesting thing is, is they just brought that stagecoach back to Malta. They sent it off to get it restored and stuff. And I wish I would knew cause it had been kind of fun to take my team up there to pull it and stuff, but they had another oh, heck guy yeah. pull it and stuff. That'd They'd have been awesome. But it's, it's there, but see, it's, I didn't realize, you know, it's kind of funny how you grow up and you get older and then you start realizing what your childhood really was. But that stagecoach actually sat out in the city park when, in the summer as kids. And so I played all over it when we'd go into town and stuff. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. That's pretty fun. So yeah, so so then my and so my my grandpa side, of, my grandpa Cliff side of the family came from Canada, and then my my grandma Mabel side, they came from Minnesota, and then some of mom's descendants came from Minnesota. But then the the ones that came up to homestead, they came up from Nevada, Missouri, and then they homesteaded south a a Malta. And so my mom and dad were both born and raised in Phillips County, Malta, Montana area, and They've never lived out of Phillips County their whole life. They lived over at Dotson for a little while when dad worked for a rancher over there. And then they went over back to Malta to take over uh, the, the family farm and ranch uh, after they were married, short after they were married and stuff. So, yeah, that's like I say, mom's still up there and dad passed away back in January. But anyway, so, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of rooted in, in Phillips County. And I'm still kind of connected because I'm just one county south now. So.
0: Yeah, that that's awesome. I, uh, I love, uh, I love hearing those, those stories like that. Those, those are just the best stories you know, like the the history books will tell us something or other, but like, it's always, it's always best to find a period of, of history from a textbook that you, you think is interesting and then go find something local. And then, and right. then here's some of those stories like, uh, that, that book, um, the worst hard times, you know, about the the great depression that that's, that's right, right from where the area I grew up and, and you're just yeah. like, and, and you hear some of the old men, they're just like, Oh yeah, I knew that guy. You know, he was, he was, you know, my dad's friend or whatever. And, uh, and it just, uh, and then, and then it, it makes, it makes history real.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree because you know it's it's easy, like you say, you can go pick up a history book, and we know they're changing them left and right anymore, you know, as far as, as what's you know the textbooks and stuff. But yeah, when you start, you know, like you say, the local history, you know, um, have you read that uh, that book we pointed them most by Teddy Blue Abbott?
0: Yes, sir, I have. I, I love that book. Uh,
1: Okay, so when they start talking about Drag Creek and uh, Fort Muscle Shell and all of yeah. that, that was what was fun to me because that's right where Two Crow is. That's right where that ranch is. And so, you know, when you, you read that book and then all of a sudden you're riding down Drag Creek or you know right where that Muscle Shell is, it's underwater mm-hmm. now because of the Fort Peck Dam and stuff. It's just, it's amazing how much more alive live history becomes to you and not just alive. I think it becomes important. You start realizing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the just the hard men they were, you know, yeah. you, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes we think we're dirty tough and then you're going like, yeah, I've never just rolled out my bedroll and pulled over a, a Buffalo skin over me and slept at night. Yeah. I made sure I was yeah. back at the house or the bunkhouse or <laughs> in a tent. You
0: know? that, that's exactly <laughs> right. And you know, they, uh, and you know, in the cowboy world here lately, the the Yellowstone and, and eighteen eighty three are, are you know hot topics. But like, what? Regardless of what you think of 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 how like they're they're reshaping Montana or whatever. But like, if you go watch eighteen eighty three, and I think they they did a really good job of like tipping their hat to how how it actually happened throughout history. And watching how those German settlers just dropped one by one by one, you're like that. That gives you a whole new respect or perspective of like just how soft we are. Even even the hardest among us, like we're pretty damn soft.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm I'm knocking on fifty now. You know, at the end of this year, I'll be fifty, and I'm starting to realize the more age I get on me. When it starts getting cold outside, the only thing I really care to feed is my wood stove. You know, <laughs> that's you that's thinking, right. <laughs> <laughs> you start thinking, you know, i i, I my teens and my twenties. I just sat out and gritted my teeth just to show what I can. Now I'm like, well, I've already proved that. I'll go <laughs> I'm the same way. way. It's go. like go. I,
0: I don't have to prove I'm cowboy anymore. Like yeah, I, I did yeah, that yeah. already.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah. So you know. So, yeah, that's kind of my history. Grew up like I see right there in Malta. And, you know, I did normal. I don't know if normal high school kid is a good thing, but I was a normal high school kid and, you know, did did the small town USA thing was involved in 4-H and FFA. And just I've always just really had a love for agriculture mm-hmm. as a general rule. You know, my my whole life is. You know, there was a little bit of time during my my junior high year, you know, when your brain quits you, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to just cut your head off and set it on a refrigerator until you're about 25 and then give it back to you. But isn't that uh,
0: about the time when all those those kids decide they're transgender, too? Isn't that right about that?
1: yeah, it might be, but uh, anyway, that might be a subject we don't necessarily want to discuss. <laughs> I was gonna say, like,
0: because <laughs> I, I, I remember, if, like, when I was that that whole sp- span from like twelve to eighteen, and then even a little bit past eighteen, I, I was a, I was a, I, I, I was a moron, <laughs> like an just an absolute <laughs> right. moron, <laughs> right? Oh, well, I know, I was there right with you.
1: I always say that when I turned about 13, my parents were the dumbest people I'd ever met. You know, uh-huh. they were just dumb. And I yeah. got to about 25. And I don't know, they must have went to college for them, them years because, man, when I hit 25, they got smarter. They all of a sudden got a whole lot smarter. Yeah. But this, actually, what's, what's interesting about that, is the male human brain does not actually fully mature until they're 25 mm. years old. And that's about the time we start thinking a little different. And
0: and that's also like, I I probably won't ever buy a horse from a fellow that's under the age of 25 either. (laughs) 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 Unless unless it's a real good deal. And uh, you know, if it's a screaming deal, I'll I'll take a flyer on it. But like if, if uh, (laughs) any, any horse that's supposedly broke at all and, and the guy's 18, Yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. Like, it, it might be the best horse ever, but I ain't buying it. <laughs> it's just not happening.
1: Right, right yeah. So, so, yeah, so out of out of of high school, I, you know, did the American thing or the thing you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to go to college, and, mm-hmm. which I don't regret. I did get a, a two-year degree. It took me four years to get a two-year degree, so, you know. Heck, anyway, yeah, well, that just I, means you, I, you I,
0: stumbled, studied double hard.
1: Yeah, that's, well, actually, I'd go for a while and then i'd go back to school because i found out having a bunch of debt in college was not a real bright idea but anyway i got a degree in egg technology you're
0: smarter than me because i didn't figure that part out i just i got the debt and the degree so
1: well i I started getting it and then i was like and, and hey i ended up taking a bartending job and a night night cabin job and you know about everything miserable to add to the misery of college actually i didn't mind college college was a little more what I wanted to do now. High school, on the other hand, that that was a whole other oh. story. I well, I and bar,
0: bartending in Montana, like you're gonna get punched at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I can. Yeah, how many stories you <laughs> want? I actually, you know what's, in, the, what's what's interesting in this? This is in Haber, Montana, and you know, like there again. Yeah, I, I, I,
0: I know Haber pretty well. Yeah, I, and so I got in a couple fights in Haber.
1: Yeah, so I'm tending bar in uh, um, at the Bowling Alley. And so but the thing is is there was two reservations. There's the Rocky Boy Reservation and Fort Belknap Reservation yeah. on each side of of and so what I would get a lot of time is all the uh, Indians that had been kicked out of every other bar would come to the Bowling Alley bar. <laughs> and <laughs> and then all of a sudden you'd get both reservations in there. And this is back when I, I mean Yeah, I I used to really like to fight, to be honest with you. I always said if if (laughs) MMA, if I would have knew about MMA when I was a kid, I would have probably been in it. But I actually organized a lot of I organized a lot of my own MMA fights just because I like fighting enough. Yeah, I would kind of. But anyway, so, yeah. And so you'd call the cops. First thing you do is call the cops because, you know, I was hoping that if I did get beat up or, you know, murder half murdered that they would show up to at least call nine one one to get the ambulance there. But yeah, there was times I was throwing Indians out of the bar and everything else. And trust me, there were some white guys too, because white guys are just as dumb on alcohol as as Indians. So but I remember one time I was standing at the bar and I had this little billy club. I called it Kryptonite because I figured you could take Superman out with it. And I went (laughs) over there and here's this guy. He's got this knife pulled on me. Like at the bar, and I yeah. did that. Billy Club happened to be reached, and I grabbed that a knife, and I spun his arm around. I come up with that, and I says, "Well, do you want to go for it or not?" And he walked out of the bar. You know, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it's li- but then again, like I say looking back on it, I didn't like tendon bar, but I liked tendon bar. If that makes sense, yeah. You know, the action, I, <laughs> I probably like the action more than the uh, sling and drinks. We'll just put it that way. So
0: Well, that was kind of before the days of a bouncer, wasn't it? Like, like the bouncer is kind of a newfangled thing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I only remember one bar up there at Haver while I was going to college. that actually had a bouncer at it, you know, and, and otherwise, yeah, it was kind of, you know what, like I say, you'd think in a bowling alley, it'd be quiet. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> But no, we got some, you know, it, it was like, I say, it was an experience that definitely shaped me and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I went to college there and got a degree and was about uh, right in that time frame and it was 92. I, I, I kind of wanted to rodeo and fight bulls and stuff when I was in high school, but dad just would tell me no. And I, I don't know why, you know, part of it probably just financially, you know, it's, it's an expense when you're young and, yeah. and trucking up and down the road and stuff. But I decided that I wanted to rodeo and fight bulls along with all the other stuff I was doing. So yeah, I kind of took up the habit of stepping in front of front of the Toros and stuff. So um, I did that till I believe it was 2005. So there's about 12, 13 years of, you know, mostly summers, a little from about early spring to mid-fall with, you know, the high school rodeos on each end. And then I did a lot with uh, kind of our uh, you know, semi-pro association, the NRA up here in Montana and some bull rides and stuff.
0: Well, um, what level of bulls were the worst to, to fight?
1: <laughs> you, you know, when I I, I, sw- I started with a couple of contractors that were the smaller contractors. And then I picked up for Donnie Jacobs, Jacobs Rodeo uh, Company out of um uh out of great falls is, and i and i worked pretty much exclusive for him toward pretty much when i decided it was time to go on to other things and you know he'd uh went down and got a bunch of bulls out of the swamps down in louisiana i believe is where they came
2: from mm.
1: and i'll tell you what big old humpbacks, was, huh? yeah big old brendles and i mean i'll tell you what and just Trashy. I mean, just mean and trashy. Mm. And then there was one summer we ended up with all these bull riders. We were bucking ninety bulls a weekend at these rodeos, and these no are M- semi-pro rodeos, yeah. And so he went down to Arizona and picked up a bunch of nasty, stinking, just—they weren't even bred bucking bulls, as far as I could see. They were just a bunch of range bulls that just were tiger probably straight Braefords. Oh, just mm. oh, and just hadn't seen humans and just, you know, yeah. they just line you out and just, you know, it just, and, and honestly a bullet just kind of bucks off and doesn't really turn back. They're just terrible because they're already on the move. And so when they find you, man, I mean, they just, oh, <laughs> you just and that was <laughs> back in the days, they'd only hire one bullfighter. So you're going yeah. 90 head in a weekend by yourself and you're just, oh my <laughs> goodness. It, it just, and they, they actually, cause, you know, I know what my job was. You know, greater love has had no man has this than he'll lay down his life for a friend, you know. And I was like, my job is to protect that cowboy, whatever cost. And I'll tell you what, if somebody got hauled out of the arena on a stretcher, it bothered me. I mean, because yeah. I, I criticized myself. I'd like, how did I feel? What did I do wrong? And so anyway, they all started nicknaming me Suicide Bill because they didn't think I was gonna live past <laughs> a couple of summers of doing this. And but I guess I just knew what my job was and I took it serious, you know, and I just, you know, and and a lot of good memories from it, you know. And I mean, the reality is, is I didn't get busted up as bad as I probably should have. And, you know, I mean, just I mean, God's grace on me. And like I say, I mean, I'm sure some of my aches and pains and crippled up hands might have a little bit to do with it, but not exclusively. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think those, those aches and pains, like even, even as much as a guy tries to take care of himself, like you, when, when a horse falls on you, something, (laughs) something breaks, it may not be a bone, but something breaks and you're going to feel it for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're definitely right. You know, and there again is, uh, you know, I, I went I, out of college. Then I I come back to Malt and I worked at that feed store for a while, and then I got hired on up there at Corbett, right there next to rural country, of big sandy there. And I was selling feed. And I enjoyed the feed business and what I did. I just couldn't quite get along with corporate America. I was a little too oh, uh, indep- tell me about independent, it. <laughs> too much of an independent thinker. But you know, I was about the time I started writing posts for the public. You know, I just I've always just. Like I said, that little phase there where I wanted to be a motorhead in junior high. But after that, it was kind of like I just want horses, you know, I just, you know. And so anyway, I started riding some colts for the public up there in the evenings and stuff. And I just remember in the fall, it would get dark early on you. And I remember long and these nasty. I mean, some of them were kind of trashy colts out in the CRP in the dark, you know. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you what. Yeah, on that telegraphs with pheasants and deer in the dark, you'll find out if you really want to ride colts or not it's uh
2: no oh, it, you yeah, you know so.
1: but, yeah yeah I was just yeah. go ahead excuse
0: me uh, oh sorry no it, i was we got a little bit of a delay there, but yeah, <laughs> uh no, I'm just agreeing with you there like there's there there's there's just something bad like something happens and and and, uh, you just like, you're, you're on, you're on an animal. That's, uh, even, even your best horse, uh, sometimes is gonna, is just gonna freak out over something and like, you don't know when that's going to happen. I, like, I, I, I really, after all, all of the people that I've, I've had the, the privilege to speak through or speak with, you know, either through this podcast or just who, who I've met. Like the, the closest, um, you know, mindset I've ever, I've ever come to with the cowboy is like the, like, like the special operator type military where, where they, they, uh, they're, they're kind of handy at about everything. And, uh, They're also probably not best uh, suited for the the gentle public. Like it's it's probably a good thing if they only come to town once a year, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like like the the good ones anyways, you know, the good ones on both sides, like the the real good Cowboys (laughs) probably shouldn't see people more than a couple times a year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know. I like, like going out there to cute girl for the summer. I'd always think, you know, I got to go back to civilization, but will civilization come back to me? There's <laughs> yeah. kind of need, need a transition period there. Mm-hmm. You know, It's just kind of like yearlings are all shipped out, strays are all found. Well, time to go home. And you're just kind of you, you you run renegade for five six months a year without a whole lot of supervision, and then when a guy like me is the supervision, you're kind of going like, "Yeah, man, that's good." Because I think you're right. You know, you definitely. Definitely, you know, the good ones, because, you know, and that's that's, you know, I was sitting here thinking about, you know, um, about this podcast and just the cowboy in the cowboy way. And, you know, and, and that we're so iconic and I don't know how to say it different than that. I heard at one time that the two most recognized things around the world was the American cowboy and Coca-Cola. You go anywhere and yeah. people know those things.
0: Yeah, I w- and I I would say Marlboro cigarettes uh as right? well. And they're almost one and the same with the American cowboy. Like uh, whether whether it's a cowboy smokes or not, like right. like like we we usually would like to think that Copenhagen snuff would be synonymous with the cowboy, but around the world no, it's, it's Marlboro's. Mar- the the Marlboro man. And uh yeah, <laughs> like I, I just, whatever it is like People want to be us, but still at the end of the day, there's not very damn many of us.
1: Yeah. And you know, and that's the thing though, is you're right. It, they, they want to be us. And you know I was thinking about, you know, cause like I say, I've, you know, I, I've, I've watched a lot of different videos of the different places and stuff. You know, I believe you were talking about wanting to go down there to Florida and with the crackers and stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, and just, you know, and, and I was sitting there thinking about that and, you know, even, even what I would call, you know, the weekend Cowboys, because in some ways, you know, I'm getting a little more like that in life now, just because of just some changes and some decisions, you know, we're making as far as Mm -hmm. trying to be more of a family man and getting some age on me and trying to think a little more long-term and not that I'm a weekend Cowboy, but, you know, I. but I guess what my thought was is the reality is, is, you know, whether it's the weekend Cowboy that's still just wants to go be a cowboy or us that are trying to do it every day of our life because every day of my life, I'm doing something with a horse or, Mm. you know, and stuff. But I guess what I was thinking about is, you know, really the reality is we're all on that same journey together. We're all, it's just, we're, we're, we're on a journey and we're all looking for the same thing out of life in a lot of different ways. We're just doing it differently, you know? And, you know, and I, I haven't watched Yellowstone for many reasons. And part of it is I'm just stubborn and, you know, if there's a fad out there, I'm going to be on the opposite end of it. Just so that way I'm not part of the fad. I, but, see, but
0: I, I, the contrarian in me likes that and, and also hates it at the same time, you know, because contrarian.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. But, but I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, and, and my wife watched a little bit of it, you know, and she's, she's just anyway, and we visited a little bit about it and I had another guy telling me about it. And I've seen, you know, the, the, the propaganda is the right word the advertisements and stuff about it but the one thing i was thinking about because part of my wife and my desire now is just like i say trying to be home and switching life a little bit you know more and quitting to ride in a rough string and trying to raise some gentler horses for my wife and kids and i and stuff but the one thing is we're trying to look at what we call um agritourism you know and Mm -hmm. kind of having a day a day long, you know, we're, we're, we're still evolving in what we're really wanting to do, but with the wagons and the horses and having the livestock here and stuff, I think the one thing that we can do as people that are rooted in agriculture is education, you know, because I Hollywood's, think you're right. Hollywood's educating people, but they're, they're educating them wrong a lot of times. And yeah. I, I don't know how to say it any different than that. I'm not wrapped up in popular culture. I don't watch much television, um you know, and so with that said, though, but what's out there is we get such a negative light at times,
2: and mm.
1: yet you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I had a little struggle this winter because I had my rodeo cattle up on a on a on a little bench up here next to next to a high road that went by the subdividers, and I was constantly getting called into the brand inspector and the sheriff, and you know just just anyway, but in that is all is, I thought, you know, how many of them people are just miseducated? How many of them a just lot. don't understand? A lot. Exi- and, and so, you know, I guess, and so what I guess, you know, to think about this is, you know, we're, we're, we're iconic. I mean, the, the reality is, is, you know, um, I was actually in the grocery store one time. I just got done riding a bunch of coats at the arena and I'm standing there with my boots on and my hat and little kid looks over and he pulls on his mom's coat and he's like, Mom, mom, look, a real cowboy. Mm-hmm. And so you know, th- this is this is kind of the image that you know this is the image we have. And I think if we can start saying, how can we educate the American public on what we really do? I mean, do I go out and rope and choke down a yearling at times? Absolutely. Do I do yeah. it every day? Well, I'd like to, but I don't. You know, yeah, they're they're same here. We make, the, we, we make them judgment calls, and we have to make the judgment calls. That are that are best for the operation, best for the individual, and best for yes, the livestock. Sir. But the reality is, is we're sitting here making judgment calls uh, that what we feel is best for the American public and and around the world because we're you know we're helping to feed the world. And so mm-hmm. you know, I, as I was thinking about that, I think whether it's the cracker down there in uh, in in Florida or the buckaroo out in Nevada or us cowboys up in Montana, wherever reality is is at the end of the day the good ones that are out there the ones that are going to last the tried and true ones are are people that truly are stewards of the land and steward of the livestock
0: yes sir yes sir i uh you know my my very first episode that i did of this podcast i i did it a horseback and i had a had a pair <laughs> of earbuds and i didn't know what the hell i was going to talk about i just knew i wanted to talk to cowboys because uh, the i'm not the best cowboy i got i i've never called myself a bronx stomper i've called myself a bronc uh stay or honor because <laughs> i i can usually uh ride out enough jumps to get their head pulled around to the right and uh, and get them circling and then then i'm usually pretty good to go and if if I can make 6 jumps, I'm usually I'm usually looking all right. After 6 it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm not I'm not a Montana stomper. Like I, I don't give them their head and just let them have at it. Like I am not that good. I uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll give them I'll give them 4 or 5 jumps and then I better get their head uh yanked around by jump number 6. Like they better be circling, because <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, not a good spot. But uh, like I, I just I love I love everything about it. And like I, I've worked with uh, like open range cowboys, uh, you know, work on a wagon, live out a teepee. I, I've, I've uh, worked with some some guys that there are like your ranch hand type cowboys that have been at the same uh, mom and pop place running 600 head for for 30 years have been on the same place I, I i know i know feedlot cowboys that have been in every damn feedlot in the country and uh, and still somehow they managed to get a job i don't know how um but i just like cowboys are a different breed um but but i i like them you know like i there's just like of, of any like I said, be, besides, uh, like those special operator guys and like, I'm where I'm not in the same category as them. they've seen, they've seen some shit that I, I'll never see. But like that, that mindset, where just like, you don't, you don't have a quitting time. You like, you quit when it's done. Like when, when the job is done, you quit. Or if like, if there's no, if, if there's, there's no sense in working through the night, you just like, all right, this is good enough um but outside of that like you quit when the job is done and uh like if the weather sucks well guess what So's your job get out there (laughs) and uh and and it just it's just like there there's no there's no choice and it's because you chose that uh so either do it or get the hell out you know that just like those are your choices and uh and and there's uh like like they're cow, good cow hands should be paid a lot more than what they're worth. But I for whatever reason, we're not. But like, you you know, like you cannot anybody can name like two or three guys. where like if uh, if I if I needed to call somebody like for some real cowboy shit, I've got this guy and this guy in my phone. And I know like that it might take him a couple hours to get there but they'll be there and and you'll, you'll get it figured out. And uh, I don't know, like there, there's, it's a, it's, it's a small community like that.
1: Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. You know, and I think the whole thing is, is you start finding out the loyalty of of people, you know, those that, like you say, those that, that, that are there till the end, they, they ain't Mm. gonna quit you, you know, and stuff and, you know, and that's, I, that, that second summer I managed to grow, I ended up uh, a young, young man and his wife ended up out there with me and they were, they might've been 20 and, you know, and, and, um, him and I become such good friends, you know, and, you know, you know how it is. Any friendship is going to go through some ups and downs and Mm -hmm. stuff, but, you know, we became such good friends because of just that, you know, when you start bringing in 15, 1800 head of yearlings in one wad and, you know, and we had other help and stuff, but, you know, you just, you, you find out each other's characters in them moments. And, you know, <laughs> just we had this one old rip, we were gathering strays bailed into this reservoir. And we both got a rope on this dirty rip, you know, and, you know, when it's on a side hill and it's in the fall and it's icy, half icy, half muddy, half, <laughs> half wet, you know? And so that's the Montana a special, there, you know, but yeah, you know, and you know, but you just, you, you just you find out them kind of guys raiding right them moments they just don't quit you and finally we just well our horses were shot so we went back to the house and thinking well she'll come out before we get back now she was still standing in the same <laughs> sinking spot when we got there but you know you just think about those moments like that and you know you look back on like, Yeah, sure. Are we ever paid as much as we should be? Probably not, but it's probably best we aren't because we'd self-destruct most likely. Well, and like and, we,
0: were, we were talking before, like most good cowhands are not fit for polite society. So like you give a good <laughs> cowhand a good chunk of money and it usually ends real bad. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: like, yeah. You know, but you look back on the memories and the friendships that we make and just, and the stories, you know, I mean, that's just, I gotta say, I, I, have actually been trained to speak in different things. And part of it was because my wife was going to conferences and I was going with her. And so you kind of, I was trying to prepare and think things through and stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, just some of the stories we have and some of the experiences we have and, and, and and the reality is, is if, if I would have stayed in the feed business out of college and they wouldn't have ran me off if that's because they did fire me, (laughs) they told me to go find (laughs) something else to do. I went and drove cow trucks for a couple of years and then kind of, you know, I I was riding colts constantly. Everything I was doing, it seemed like I had a colt for two I was riding. I finally thought, you know what? I was even a machine shop for a while and I I was supposed to be a six day week job and two and a half years later I was still in there. But every night I'd go home and ride (laughs) colts. And I finally thought, you know what? What's the thing that you've always done well well, at work and somewhere else. Yeah, I was always riding quilts. I always wanted to be on a horse or something with a horse. And I finally thought, you dummy, just go be a cowboy, you know? Yeah. Just, but, yeah. but you know, I, but I was thinking about, you know, just different experiences I've had and some of the wrecks and, and the good times. But I was, we were down there in South Phillips County. I'm hoping the law statue on this story has passed because, oh. uh, well, I, I could have probably done some, I, I don't know if I'd have got jail time over this, but we do well, sure would have uh,
0: all you gotta do is end your story with allegedly, and this is a comedy show, so therefore Statute of Limitations is probably okay, so probably moot, I think, okay. maybe.
1: Okay. So allegedly this happens in South Phillips County. There we go. In the Larb Hills. But we'd moved a bunch of cows for this friend of mine. And so we're there's two, three of us sitting there at lunch, and we're sitting there looking at this little wad of elk. And uh well, you know they needed rope. Well, Allegedly. yeah. Allegedly, Allegedly they needed rope. <laughs> and one was probably had foot rod right needed
0: doctored or something. So yeah. I mean, something, kinda, something was up.
1: Yeah. We come up with this plan of what we're going to do. And so we talk about it. And so, uh, we go out there and we met. And of course, there was a there was a handful of cows and a bull. And if you're going to rope something, you just as well go for the bull. You don't know. Yeah. one of them cows. Well, and, you don't want so him fighting
0: you later on. So you better well, have no, him. No, you no. better have him necked.
1: Yeah. So so we miss him. When I don't know, maybe we weren't as heart full of hearted as we thought we <laughs> were. I don't know for sure. But I was on this paint thoroughbred cross mare I have. She's actually the mother of the team of horses I drive right now, and I still have her. But she, would, she did not like being behind anything. I mean, if, if like when you was trotting back to the house or something, if she was behind another horse, she was always charging to get in front of everything mm. else. And so I'm sitting here. I thought, okay, I'm going to get around that bull and I'm going to bring him back to the other two dogs. <laughs> and so we're, we're running neck and neck with each other. Just I'm right there looking at that bull in the eye, just neck and neck like we're headed for the finish line at the Kentucky Derby and I take and just take my reins, and I over and under that horse, and I could feel her just grabbing another gear. and she dropped, and I mean, she's stretching for all she had, and just, and she she's starting to beat this bull, I'm thinking, I'm going to get around it, and I'm going to yeah. bring him back to her. She's stinking, hangs up her right foot, and I tell you what, we slapped oh. that ground so stinking hard, Ooh. I mean, <laughs> face planted me, we skid, blackened my eyes, skinned up my face, you know, and so then, you know, then you, go back you know.
0: Uh, and the I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt too much, but like, isn't no. it funny how those movie people have got that effect? Like when you're falling to the ground yeah. in a in a rapid pace, they've got that camera angle figured out. Cause that's exactly yeah. <laughs> what it looks like. It's just like a blur. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I skinned up my face. You go back into the public, you know. And of course, everybody in the world's going to ask, <laughs> "What'd what, you do? What happened?" <laughs> yeah, so, you know. But, but you know, you sit there, and that was, man, that was twenty some years ago that happened. And so you know, you're still sitting here, and I just you know, as, as you sit and you think about your life and the times you've had and the different things that we've done you know yeah the paycheck is good I like to keep my bills paid and stuff but at the end of the day that memory nobody can take away from me.
2: No, that story you're absolutely can be passed right. on
1: and you know and I mean you just stop and you think about all of that stuff and, and the other thing I you know and like I said I'm working at being home more now as I'm getting a little older I actually took a part time job again at another feed store I hopefully a little more mature now and I won't fight with corporate American no, their yeah. people it's a locally owned locally owned deal and it's where i've done a lot of my feed business and stuff but you know the thing i think about it is is just a lot of it you can do with your family too you know your kids are growing up i look at you know i've got i've got two older kids that are full grown for my first marriage and i kind of ran through that and some poor choices of life imagine that but i got remarried here 14 years ago in may and i got two younger kids and you know it just like There's so many things I go do, you know, like, like, well, on on Saturday, a matter of fact, I got a friend that's got a little sawmill here. And, uh, you know, we can we burn firewood. And I asked him, I says, Hey, you mind if I, you know, bring my team of wagon, team of horses, my wagon and my family over to cut a load of firewood and haul that home with the wagon. You know, and those kind of things to me are priceless. Yeah, those are the things that my kids will remember they're learning the work ethic, but even if they don't want a cowboy or farm and ranch for a living, they're going to go out into the public and they're going to be the kind of kids that, uh, the public wants to work for them.
0: Yeah. I, I, it was really cool. Uh, just yesterday I was on, I was on the phone with boots O'Neill and, uh, and, uh, and then my, my, my wife and kids are up in Oregon right now on, on spring break. And I I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know I'm trying to bank a couple uh a couple more days you know work a couple days while they're on vacation so later on this year i can I can have a couple extra days to take off and uh and it, and it's kind of like a girl's trip like uh it, it's it's a girl's trip plus my little boy like so I've got my wife my and her sister my little girl uh my two nieces and then then my little boy but he he's young enough where he, he he's uh he's not gonna come come work with me at the feedlot every day so he he's the only only man on the on the girls trip so i but i, I kind of like to leave that as a, you know as a girls trip but i was talking uh to boots o'neill who's you know one of the most legendary cow punchers there is and uh and he's asking about my kids and how they're doing and i now i get to tell them like hey this, this is a man who's respected by the entire cowboy community who is genuinely uh, wants to know how you guys are doing and uh and like uh, that that's how small the freaking cowboy world is uh when it, when it comes down to it and then it's just it's something really really neat that I like not not only do is my dad kind of kind of a legend among the uh kind of like the the Colorado cowboy. Uh, world, but also they they got Boots O'Neill, who's like a legend, and uh, and it just like man, that that's it's so cool to be able to pass that on to them. Like they they don't even know how cool that is, but like one day some some cowpuncher will be uh, or, or or buckaroo will will come up puffing his chest, talking about who he knows, and and uh, and you're just like yeah, but boots o'neill asked how i was you know back in the day and and that like so it just it's really cool to be able to pass pass all that on down and uh you know it was like that that's most most of the cowpunchers punchers back in the day couldn't read or write so you, you just you had to hear stories like that
1: No, you're right. It's just it, you know, and, and and that's the thing you talk about, Boots O'Neill, you know, I mean, I can say anybody that half worth their salt knows that name. And actually, he was up in Phillips County there, the four sixes, had ran a bunch of cows up there one year. They were droughted out and stuff. And so a bunch of the guys up there I grew up I actually got to meet him and be around him and stuff and all. But, you know, and I think, you know, as you're saying that, it's like, I, I, not that I want my name to be known, per se, you know, that, that I don't, you know i don't need it to be that my name's in the light or you know you know mm. things like that but i think my thing is is i i stop and i'm like in age does this to me more and more as i i grow up here i say i'm almost 50 so it's almost time to grow up now but yeah i sit and i think how how, how can i be that person somebody looks up to how can i be that person that you know the young guy here in Lewistown Montana can look at it and say you know I want to be like that guy and it ain't always about ability I think ability is a huge part of it you know one thing I've I've and, and I'll see where this goes you know I've, I've got a desire even if I'm just a little small you know even though I only had 10 head I have this desire to 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 help I me mean, kind of like an intern if you will or Help these young kids. There's so many things that I had to just go figure out on my own. And mm-hmm. it's just okay. I mean, I don't ever want to whine and cry about that, but sometimes you're sitting out there with this 800 pounds yearling on the end of a line and you're like, I don't remember anyone teaching me what I'm supposed to do now, you know, well, kind right.
0: of a thing. And uh, like I can't let go of my rope to look at my phone to see what I'm supposed to do now. I can't I can't look up a YouTube <laughs> video because uh Yeah. I, I, I got a 800 pound animal at the end of the line and i got to figure out what the hell to do. And and sometimes like, sometimes that's going to end badly. Uh, but you learn from it, you know, like probably more often than not when you're first starting out, it's going to end badly, but (laughs) you, you don't learn any other way.
1: And you're right. And, And yet also the other thing that I think I, I mean, I know 20, you're like, we just said yeah. from, you know, 13 to 25, they're not as they don't want to listen yeah. half the time anyhow. But sometimes I get so frustrated and I've done it. I, I won't sit here and say I'm faultless in this is, you know, we'll sit here and cuss some greenhorn because he doesn't know anything. Mm, and sometimes no. I have to stop and say, did, did anybody teach him? Have we given him the opportunity to learn that?
0: Yeah. you know, I, And that's where I'm, you're you're a hundred percent right. I, I I hear so many people talk about the like the the millennials or the Gen Z uh, generation and, and how how terrible they are, but like somebody raised them and it wasn't like it wasn't me. So like what why like you know, probably a lot of it is on on the Gen Z the millennial generation, but not all of it because they had to learn it somewhere
1: yeah well that's the thing is that you know here i'm i'm like i say i i don't know i I get lost at which number and letter we're on as far as z x or y but the 20 somethings you know i I look at my generation i'm responsible i'm responsible for the outcome of my two older children Mm. you know i can sit there and say you know but on the and they've turned out well i mean they're not a cowboy but they both have got really good jobs and they're productive in society and yet that's what i sit here and i think it's like how can i as uh, as an older gentleman that has some experience and has the bumps and bruises and the aches take take that young kid and, and i mean don't get me wrong i'm not easy on a either. I, I i work at the sale bar and there was no one I, I let in the middle of a kid because he wanted to sit up on the, the rail and flap his mouth and not do what he what i told mm-hmm. him to do and i let in the middle of him and told him how disrespectful he is but I think we also I look at it as like, how can I give those young, young men an opportunity to learn also? How mm. can we help them? Because the reality is, is we're not all going to be a Boots O'Neill at 90
0: years old. still. No, <laughs> no. A circle. no not, and not so, at all like that. That's, you know, that that's a one of a kind. We've I think we've all figured that out like that. That just don't happen. And like and the no. one time it did happen, it happened to Boots and that's it
1: right right and so you know that's that's where you know i kind of think about life right now and where i'm at is you know how can i take what i have and help that next generation out you know and kind of where i'm at and you know like i said i sold most of my cows about three weeks ago just economics and and you know and and just i mean i i was all of a sudden gonna own money on cows i owned and i thought that's a really really bad decision you know right you know and so and anyway, but, but I sit here, you know, on town where my wife and I are, like I say, we're kind of looking at agritourism, you know, along with, you know, the the pastor and the church, like I do. And then also taking some time at the feed store. My wife has a YouTube channel that she does with a lot of kind of, you know, homestead type stuff, but I, I, uh, what, what's I her think, channel, I,
0: by the way, uh, it's, plug. It's, go uh, ahead and plug uh, that yeah, go, go for it.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's Delcy at a life of heritage on YouTube. And, uh, like I say, she, it's a lot of homestead stuff. She's she's more and more uh, incorporating, you know, our everyday life. And there's a video from last last winter there that uh, I was I I almost despised brown bales because brown bales involve equipment, and most of the time my equipment, if I need parts for it, I need to go to the museum to find it. So most of <laughs> right. the time, my equipment.
0: <laughs> you gotta you gotta fabricate your own. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and so I had this bright idea how I was going to move this round bale with my team of horses I drove a piece of soccer rod through this round bale and uh hooked a toe strap to it and hooked the toe strap to the double tree and you know everything was going semi well it was kind of a colossal wreck all along but <laughs> I finally got it stretched out and I i, I, I got it. I got the bale rolling And it was going downhill, and that bale just nearly ran me over. It was everything I could do to not not get ran over by that bale. You know, there's a few miscalculations there. Are you sure
0: sure you're not from Arkansas instead of Montana? Because, I mean, if that's not a hillbilly story, I've I've never heard one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, my, my, My mom's side of the family were right come out of missouri so that's not fair enough enough. that's awesome
0: That's
1: you know like i say we're you know and so kind of where i'm at now is you know because you know like i say i i've just you know i i want to raise food i mean at the end of the day i want to raise food and i want to be home with my family and still Hey, we, we're kind of unique. We kind of look at a lot of the older breeds of stuff, heritage type stuff. And mm. When I say I'm a punchy pig farming preacher, actually, when I was a kid, I finally asked mom one day, cause I felt like all I ever did as a kid was clean pig pens. I swear all I ever was doing was cleaning pig yeah. pens as a kid. And I said to mom, one, I said to mom one time, I says, how many pigs did we have as a kid? She said, like, oh, we had about 50 sows at any given time. I was like,
0: okay, <laughs> that explains why I was always <laughs> Oh, and, man, that's know, a and, lot of damn pigs. It is, it is, you know, and I've always kind of liked
1: pigs, you know. I know as a, a puncher, you're not supposed to, but I did. And anyway, so we are we actually got those American guinea hogs. They're one of the oldest breeds in America, and mm-hmm. they're actually nearly extinct. But they're actually a grazing hog, and I've actually thought about just not free range, free range, and part of it is is because those subdividers kind of got tired of my uh, rodeo cattle. So I thought maybe I'll put some pigs up there, and we'll fight that fight with them for a little yeah. while and stuff. But but anyway, so you know that's kind of where we're at. And my wife, she she milks goats and stuff, and you know raised chicken. And you no, know, we're probably not that I'm a sod buster, but you know I'm a little more like I say right now. I, I'm I'm just with the way life is going and, and I, I i really am an optimist and i but i'm also a realist with the way the economy's going and the Oof. five dollar diesel fuel day working is not a very paying proposition right mm, now no you know it, it's no, just it's, you, it's you, you
0: better have uh have something else and and yeah and like i i like where where your head's at like you you better be able to do something on your own
1: Yep, and so, you know, we're just kind of at this point where we can just, you know, some essentials of life, kind of get down to the essentials. And, you know, like with my ranch radio company, you just kind of put it on hold. But like I said, a lot of these cowboys were like, uh, yeah, we can't afford to travel this summer, Bill. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I can't either. You know, I mean, my my truck's paid for that pulls my stock trailer to haul my rodeo cattle. And if the key doesn't turn on at $5.09 diesel fuel, I'm okay with it. Mm. You know, it's it doesn't have to. And so, you know, it's just kind of where we're at, you know, with, with life right now. And like I say, i have got them team got two teams of horses. One was my dad's and stuff, and so I'm gonna get them drove and sold. But I I got a new adventure though, because before I was settled sold my cows here about a month ago, all these coriani and coriani crosses. Anything that was calving, because I knew they'd probably weigh them up, I'm pulling all the bum calves off. I'm pulling calves off left and right. So I ended up with five bums off of these cows that started calving. And I was driving down the road one day. And it's dangerous when I drive down the road, because I have uh, an empty uh, time to think. And and I'm driving down the road. And (laughs) I'm quite certain this was was one of those, you know, absolute God moments, like when moses met god at the burning bush i believe god <laughs> told me he says bill you take two of them cows and raise them up and get a team of oxen so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's just there again it's just the culture the lifestyle you know we've been working not as diligently towards this as my wife would like me to because i get distracted by cows and horses and big country but you know we've been really working towards this and i've really been trying to set my life up more and more where i can do a lot of my stuff with my teams of horses just because it incorporates them into it and it it makes them useful um actually the the funeral home the other day they hired me to haul a all the casket to the to the um, grave for a family and stuff, you know. So that's kind of where we're at in life, and you know, just kind of, I'll be honest, just kind of hunkering in right now and, and trying to weather this this economic storm. But you know, it's not just for us, though. That's the other thing we try to look at is okay, we want to get in a place that we're we're stable, we're secure. But you know, one of our you know, we we make it our goal to you know live peaceably amongst our neighbors, working with our hands and and you know not needing from other people you know we want to be self-sufficient not necessarily Mm -hmm. self-reliant but on the flip side of that i want to be outward focused you know the world around us needs people that are willing to help them you know i got a neighbor that's 80 years old and i'm almost 80 and i mean the guy he reminds me a lot of my dad and he actually grew up in that multi-country selling himself but you know i looked at him he's always he's always wondering how i'm doing how's things going bill mm. how can i help you kind of a mentality and you know that's kind of where we're at in, in life not that we haven't been that way but with with what we're seeing and and just everything going on you know i, I just think i've got to love my neighbor like i love myself and and you know and, and my neighbor resounds to the person standing next to me at the grocery store or, this fine fellow on a podcast with me or you know anyone around us and i think right now that's the thing that i i guess i really see that that especially the agriculture community needs is they just really need each other here to just kind of spur one another on and, and being an encouragement i was sitting with a friend yesterday afternoon and he mostly farms and man he's starting to talk about his chemical went from 15 dollars a gallon to 50 dollars a gallon his 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 fertilizer went from three hundred dollars a ton to a thousand dollars a ton mm. you know and i'm sitting i'm feeling for him you know i'm sitting here like you know i'm not a sod buster but i darn sure like a loaf of bread
2: yeah you know and i i yeah, and no so kidding I guess, right
1: and so i guess you know that's kind of where you know i mean I, I where we're at in our life right now and you know i yeah sure i got friends that i'll still go day work for and help you know help more help them than even worry about daylight working and you know I still ride at the sale barns on Tuesday I'll be over there tomorrow and stuff and help out there and stuff but you know as far as the you know I'm not you know I, I the, the big country cowboying and part of my life is it over no but is it probably the thing that I'm driving for right now in life uh, no that's also kind of where I'm at is just you know how do I How do I now come home and help to raise, you know, the the next generation, if you will? I I was thinking the only thing that, and I was, I know there's a lot of other things out there, cowboying that I haven't done, but probably the last thing that I desire to do, cowboying, and I wanted to do it for my 50th birthday, but I'm not quite sure if I'll get it done this year or not, as I, I wanted to go out on the wagon. I've never been Mm. out on the, me neither. I drove wagons and. I've drove wagons and I've been around wagons, but I also maybe come to the realization I might be the wagon more than going out on the wagon at my age. I might be down to being Camp Cookie here, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, one thing about being Camp Cookie is nobody's supposed to piss you off. So,
1: right, right. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, no, I've never like I've done I've done the 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 trail ride. Uh, like we have drove cattle for a couple miles, you know, just for show and whatnot, but I've been on like the week long, the ride type deal, but like, I've never, I've never been on a wagon, uh, like brand, like Brandon calves. And like I said, uh, growing up where I did, I didn't know that was a thing anymore. And by the time I realized it was, I had student loans and I, I couldn't make, I couldn't make my student loan payments going to, going to cowboy out on the wagon. And so like, that just wasn't an option. And now, now I'm married with kids, so I'm working my ass off doing, and, and, and I'm not saying this towards you, like, when, once we get done talking, I've got another couple hours worth of work to do. And that's the part that <laughs> I work at, like behind a computer. So I can make enough money doing this so that I can go cowboy for fun. Uh, so that I can show my kids how much fun cowboying is. But also, I don't know what lesson I'm going to teach them because like also cowboying doesn't pay worth a shit. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a All hell right. of a lot of fun. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It, he, you know, you're absolutely right because you talk about getting done here. You know, I go to bed at night. You know, I, I usually get up by five. You know, every morning, and yeah. I go to bed. And my wife's out there blinking plink, away on a computer, ed- editing their videos. And mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, and and she's she's absolutely wonderful. You know. She, she, I always said that I get my horses ready to sell and she sells them by the video she's mm-hmm. put together for them and stuff. And so, but you know, that's the whole thing is, is, you know, <laughs> we all seem to have a sideline gig or two or three or four, yeah. you know, just to, yeah. to get it. But on the other hand, I think that's why I see Cowboys to be so honorable is we're the kind of people we're going to do what it takes as a general rule to take care of ourselves, take care of mm. the livestock and take care of their families and our friends. You know, that's yeah. the whole thing too is, man, I'll tell you what, not a, hardly a, one of us carry a lick of insurance on our life. You know, we're yeah. just, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. And yet, unless you man, work I, for, for a big outfit, you're, you, you don't carry insurance. Uh, but no, I guarantee yeah. you when I, there was times when I was without insurance, I knew who I could call. Uh, because they had insurance and they might have had a little extra cash on hand in case I broke a leg. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if it happens, man, it's, you know, fundraisers and auctions yeah. and yeah spaghetti exactly. feeds and, you know, and that's, you know, and that's there again, that's, I think what I, I, I just, I think, and I know, I know that's what I like about the agriculture life. Sometimes it's I wish community. we made it more than we did. Absolutely. You know, and it resounds beyond that you know you you know here i sit in in lewistown montana and one of my best friends is dan harp and he clear down and nearly to the wyoming border and yet you know if i w- if i'm stuck and actually he did i that's where my cows were last year as far as my rodeo cattle is because i i was in a deal and the drought, we had to, to find grass for him. And you know, Dan, I just messaged him. I said, Dan, if you happen to know where there's some grass, let me know. This is what I'm in. And he's kind of like, Well, I'll help you out, Bill. Yeah. You know, I am I'm there for you. And so I took him, you know, Mama Cows and he was willing to help me out again this year and go down there. It was just between the hay and the diesel fuel. I was just like, This is this this ain't gonna work, you know. Yeah. And yet, you know, you and and that's the whole thing is is you know, just even a conversation like this is, you know, someday you and I'll run into each other somewhere and we'll feel like we're old friends just because yeah. we have that camaraderie about us, mm-hmm. you know. And the Absolutely. thing is, I think the other thing is, is you know, and I, I, there again, I'll never look down on somebody that wants to be a cowboy and might only be a weekend cowboy with, mm-hmm. because their circumstances, we don't know them. You know, they, yeah, that might yeah, be yeah. the only way they can pay their bills and yet but when we, we we can pick out the real deals that's the whole thing Is, mm. is it doesn't take long you know there's and i say we can cowboys and i say that nicely i don't want to sound like i'm talking down at them because like i say I, i've taken the nine to five job because i needed to pay the bills yeah. you know but the, the reality is is we start figuring out who the real deals are and and you start figuring out who like we've talked is who we can rely on and Who's there for us and stuff? And
0: yet, yeah, well, who's on the got, other hand, who's got some it, try?
1: Yeah. And yet, on the other hand, I don't think we turn a blind eye to anybody that's in need. You know, you might have ticked me off at one point in time, or you, not you, you yeah. as a general statement. I'm not just going to leave the old boy. You know, you're nah. you're still there for each other. And, I, and that's the whole thing that I see is in this cowboy culture, this cowboy community, is that there's still that sense of, of like we said that community you know mm-hmm. that, that no matter like i say, we're all on the same journey together we're just doing it differently a lot of times well, I, and yet at the end of the day yeah.
0: I, oh go ahead go finish finish your statement no
1: just at the end of the day i think we all have the same goal we just trying to make her through this life and enjoy it and make a living while we're doing it
0: yeah i i, I think you're right and and I tried to sum it up the other day. Uh, so like I, I got a new guy that that hired on and he's a little bit older than me. He's been around and he's more, more like the big circle type. And uh, you know, I, I'm more just feed lot. That, that's kind of what I've done. I've, um, <clears throat> but he, uh, he asked me, uh, if I wouldn't mind feeding his horse. And, uh, and I told him, Hey, it's a general rule around here and and this this is you know I know him coming from from big outfits uh I said, even if you're an asshole, that doesn't mean your horse is and and your horse don't deserve uh getting neglected because you're an asshole so i don't I don't care unless you're like, unless you're a real asshole, I'm always going to feed your horses when you're out of, when when you're out of town like well when you're not here your your horses are taken care of. And I expect the same from mine. Like I that like whatever differences we may have, we got to make a living on a horse. And if I don't want you to make a living, you're not going to make a living here because I'm cow boss. Uh, but as long as you're making a living here, your horse is going to be ready to. You know, he's he's not going to be uh, unfit because of me. You know, like that. That's that's how it is. Like I. I whatever whatever differences we have like man to man we, we can settle those later but like we don't we don't neglect the horses because that's how we that's how we make our living and uh and so like i i don't know that's just one of those things like I, I don't care what we have have going on that that's what that's what makes you a cowboy are you gonna take care of the horse or not
1: no absolutely you know i think you know a good man a good man is good good animal you know and yeah. that's that's you're absolutely right you know um yeah don't don't drag one another's differences into the livestock if you will you know yes. and stuff it's just it, it absolutely and and I, there again is i think too is my experience is differences amongst cowboys usually it'll get taken care of and once it, it's done it's done It, it, it yeah. isn't like a constant hen pecking thing you know but yeah i think you just hit the nail on the head though is we're gonna take care of it you know that's that and i i've got a lot of strong beliefs in me and and, and, and for many reasons but you know the thing i i see that lacks in our society is people just confronting issues
0: and not Bro, being jackassers
1: about it you yes, know sir. just you know if, if, if you know I, i'm the kind of guy if you have a fight with me come to me yeah we'll settle it you know and i'm not even talking physically anymore i mean
0: well let's just let's squash it let's squash it yeah
1: let's let's talk about it because most of the time it's just a misunderstanding right a lot of it it it, it ain't even a true misunderstanding but so many people will will just coyote around about it you know and 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 me telling you to you tell somebody else to tell somebody else to tell somebody else to just throwing gas on the fire and Mm -hmm. so i think like you said is I think you hit just such a great point there is that, you know, if we have a problem between us, we're in the satellite. Let's just give ever heard Holding the fence with somebody is like letting them rent, <laughs> live rent free in your brain. And most of the time, they don't even know you're mad at them. Yeah. You're thinking about it more than they ever do. And so, you know, and I, I think you just hit hit a great point there is just, Let's just start taking care of some of this junk that's out there Mm -hmm. and live a reputable life. Let's live honorable amongst each other.
0: Well, and a lot of it like can be, can be settled just like that. Just like, Hey, that's not (laughs) what I meant. More than anything, like more than anything nowadays is you could just be like, Hey, that's not what I meant. Here's what I meant to say. It was a joke. And if it went too far, I'm sorry. You know, like that, that's all it takes. (laughs) Like that, that's all it takes. And, uh, and instead of just like pushing the issue till till it comes to blows, like like if you want to come to blows, I'm fine with that. I'll I'll do it. I, I don't like getting hit in the face, but I mean if that's if that's what it's got to be, like we'll do it. But I'd rather just be like, hey, what the hell's the problem? Let's figure it out. Because I, I don't like hitting my friends.
1: No, I think you're right. You know, I, I just. There's so many things in our society, and I, I really don't want to go. I'd rather talk about cowboy stuff in society. Yeah, no, but, no, I hear, you, I hear not, you. But I guess, but what I'm saying here is, is we we we've, we've emasculated. <laughs> and their society has tried to emasculate the man so much that mm-hmm. we don't confront things like that. That we just we're not man enough to just say, you know what. I have an issue with somebody and I'm going to talk to them about it. You know, it, you know it instead got,
0: of- I, I, this might be controversial uh, a little bit, but it took like the society got to a point where it took a little Canadian dude. That sounds like Kermit the frog to say, it's okay to be a man. Like, uh, who the fuck told us it wasn't okay to be a man? Like, just be a man, you know, like, like, why did we need Jordan Peterson to tell us it was okay to be a man? Fuck off with all of that. Like, it's okay to be a man. Like, just be a man. I
1: absolutely agree. You know, I mean, it just, you know, yeah, we just, you know, just be of good courage. And like you say, be a man. I mean, yeah, anyway, I, (laughs) because i'm a very aggressive person i mean i really am just i'm 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 kind of like you know i don't even know how to explain it you know and and it's it's i don't know if detrimental is the right word but it can be detrimental if not harnessed we'll just put it that way and and yet and yet when you're like that kind of person a lot of people even people who think are embracing manhood they don't know how to handle it. And I'm like, man, oh, live. Let's, let's look at, I mean, just, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I don't want to get political, but I do. I'm a realist. Hey, well, wait, we're, sitting let's, here knock, we're just we're,
0: talking, so let's talk. So, right, But
1: but I guess what I'm saying is we're sitting here knocking on on the door of a potential invasion of the United States in a war. And I'm looking around and I'm like, Who's gonna fight this war? Who's gonna, you know, who? Because my my oldest boy just got out of the military, and he was, and I'm in there, again, I won't go down too far a road, but he was telling me what was going on in the military. And oh, I'm thinking, yeah. When I was when I was in there, compared to when he was in there, and I mean, my boy's a man, man. Don't get me wrong, because if he wasn't, I'd kick him right where the manhood was and tell him <laughs> to be a man. You know. But and I'm sitting here thinking the women of america need us men to be men
0: yeah i think so
1: that's flat period my daughters need me to be a man my Mm -hmm. sons they need me to be a man and i mean a man is a loving person too you know i mean i'm gonna protect my family Mm -hmm. for all it's worth i mean you know i i try to turn the other cheek as much as i can anymore but i do tell people i only got two cheeks and if you start slapping the other two cheeks we're fighting. Yeah. Dude, you know, yeah, that, 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 that's but, a
0: no go zone.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you're sitting here thinking and I'm thinking my, my my most loving thing I can do for my family is be a man. Yeah. Protect them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
1: The, the, to, to, and so, yeah, you're right. Why did we have to have Kermit the Frog? you know, tell me I can be a man. I'm not that I needed him to because I yeah, was probably right. being a man but,
0: anyhow, you know? But. Yeah. Well, well that's because we, we cowboy for a living. That's a, we, we like, right, we're, right. we're, we're, we're men, we're men every day, but like, <laughs> right. but like, why did you need the, like the blue collar, you know, worker to have Jordan Peterson, who like, I, I saw him like his last uh, episode of uh, Joe Rogan. He, he was wearing high water pants. And like, I don't, I don't understand why, uh, you know, like me and you, like I, I wear a 36 inch inseam, but I, I, I buy a 40 so I can roll up the cuff because, uh, also like if, if that wears out, I can, I can roll them down and, and, and tie a new hem or have my wife uh, sew a new hem and then I, I can keep wearing those pants. But like, I, I don't wear high water pants and especially not on purpose. Uh you know like if I, if I'm going to Joe Rogan, I'm going to look like the most slicked out buckaroo like, you've ever seen and I'm going to have like the the stiffest mustache wax you'll see because I I want to look as cowboy as I possibly fucking can if I'm going to be on that big of a a podcast if I'm gonna be the guy that's telling you to act like a man, I'm not gonna wear high waters to <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast, you know. Uh, but but anyhow, Jordan Peterson makes a lot of great points. But like, when did it take a guy that wears high water pants to tell us it's okay to be a man? Like Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> just 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 be a man.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. But that's, you know, I mean, this is just the, I don't know, this downward spiral of 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 not having a moral absolute in our, our nation anymore. You know, anything goes kind of a scenario, you know, that, you know, I, I don't, well, I know how many genders are out there. There's two, we was created male yeah. and female period. I know how yes. many are out there, but how many false perceived ones are out there? And so, you know, it's, it's, When we start becoming a pick and choose society, you can pick this, you can pick that, you can be, you know, you know, whatever you want. Well, no wonder. I mean, no wonder people need somebody to cheer them on to be a man. But it also, I think, goes back to what we were talking about. I don't know, whatever the Z's, X's, Y's, whatever. Yeah. Reality is, is, the reality is, 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 too, is, is. The 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 younger generation needs an example of what manhood is, yes you know, sir. And, and you know, I've I've had people tell me, "Well, my kid can't learn to work because we live in town." I'm like, "Yeah, you can." There's a garbage to take mm. out, there's dishes to do. You know, like I messaged you before. Not that I'm great at doing dishes with my family, but my boy and my daughter and all of us need to do dishes together. Teach yep. him to be that man. <clears throat> it's as manly to do dishes for my wife as it is to go choke a like. Yeah. You know, and so it's this example that we have to set that, that, you know, it resounds beyond our culture. It resounds in everything that, you know, I tell people, you know, if you live in an apartment, I bet you there's garbage in the hallways your kids can go pick up. There's garbage out in the playgrounds, you know. And so I think that's the whole thing. There's an old lady
0: down the block who could use their, their lawn mode. And guess what? Absolutely. Volunteer to do it and she might pay you 50 bucks. You never know
1: absolutely you but know, if she doesn't
0: so, just it, mow it anyways because she's an old lady and like it's a, it's just a good thing to do
1: now you're absolutely right that's the whole thing is and so you know to get just the whole i guess put a cap on if you will this whole thing of a you know we don't need a permission <laughs> to be a man we just need to be men you that's know right and, and, right. and it's, it's it's not a confusion you know i mean and I'm going to say this in, in, uh, and I, like I say, I'm a preacher, but I'm going to say this. If you're confused what you are, pull your britches down. If there's something there, you're a man. Start <laughs> acting like one. Right. Period.
0: Right. I, I think you're, I think you're right. And like, yeah, yeah it just, yeah, I, that, that's i uh, I've made so many jokes over the, the past, uh six months about how how men are just uh showing women how good we are because we're taking over all their sports too but but it's just like ah, how, how are people accepting this as as reality that that's the part that don't that i don't get it's like that there there is a man with a literal dick and balls there is reports of this dude walking around with his dick out in the locker room of the university of pennsylvania and just won a women's gold medal in the ncaa he's not even trying to hide the fact that he's got a dick and balls and I, and I apologize. I know you're, I know that you, uh, you have a <laughs> you, church and you're whatever. You're not, you're
1: not, off, you're not yeah. offending me. No, you're, 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 you're going down, trust me. I, I mean, you're going down the same road as I would because yeah. and I, I mean, you, you asked the question, I can tell you why, because w- there's no moral absolute truth to most people's lives anymore. Yeah.
0: You're, you're right on this,
1: that. Y- you know, we, we sit and let uh, social media and Hollywood and, and and I mean, we, in the newspaper, and I mean, you can go through so many people that are influencing our thinking, and and the reality is, is a lot of people won't think for themselves, or if they see something, are they searching the truth of it out or the yeah. facts of it out? You know, just I can sit here and tell you something, and and. You can take it at face value and be like, yeah, that's right. Or you have a choice to say, you know what? I want to know the truth about that. I want right. to know the facts right. of that out. And and so many people, you know, I just actually deleted my facebook app for a while i was just yeah it just brings me such discontent and anxiety at times. you're
0: you're better off you're better off
1: there's so many there's things i like about it i like you know i got some friends that drive horses and i like looking at some of the cowboy stuff but there's so much of it and and yet i'm sitting here thinking this is shaping my thinking pattern and and the reality is is with the algorithms and stuff they know how to manipulate us by what Mm -hmm. we've looked at in the past and so you know we're sitting here this whole society and so they're they're programming so many people and so without people saying i'm gonna set a moral absolute truth in my life and trust me i've had points in my life that that moral absolute truth was obscure i'll just say it that way you know i knew what moral (laughs) truth was but it wasn't that i lived it out and you know so, and, and so it has to be communicated. How, how? Where? Where are we getting our source of truth? Where are we getting our source of news? Where are we getting our? And news is a dangerous word to oh, use. Oh fuck but, yeah! And <laughs> and just because just because I sit here and hear you know something on the news, it, it, am I going to actually search it out? And see if it's actual news, or am I just gonna say, "Well, that's it. I'm good, we're good with it." You know. And so that's that, that's how I would say we've gotten to where we're at. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be honest, you just take a guy like him. I think there's so many wrong motives in his life that it just stinks. It just it just reeks of so many wrong motives. You know, is it's not just about. You know, a, a bad moral truth. There's so many wrong motives to so much of this stuff that's going on. That uh, you know, um, you know, who knows? It might be he just one of that is just playing for fame. He might go straight now. You know, yeah, I don't who, know. You know,
0: yeah, who, who, <laughs> you know? who the hell knows? It's it's uh, yeah, it's wild. But anyways, <laughs> it's uh, it's a, it's a wild world we live in. But I, I, you know, I. I look at people like, like Dan Hartman, he, like every two days, you, you know, when, when Dan's back in cell phone territory, because he, he'll post something on Facebook and it's usually pretty funny. And, uh, yeah. I just, I look at a guy like that and he's, uh, like he, he's just as old school as a get. And, uh, but yet he's still living here in 2022. So I, I have no, I have no doubt in 2050, there's going to be somebody like Dan Hartman out there. And maybe not, then maybe they're, they're not going to be Dan Hartman. There's only one Dan Hartman, but there's going to be somebody like him. And it, maybe it's going to be in Montana. Maybe it's going to be in Arizona and may, fuck, maybe it's in Illinois. I don't know. Who knows where is, where the world's headed anymore? Like there, there's a lot of people moving around the country uh, nowadays. And uh, yeah, like, you never know where the Cowboys going to go, but I, I can tell you that the Cowboys is going to move because they've always moved. And uh, you're, you're going to find somebody like a Dan Hartman 50 years from now because at the end of the day, there's still going to be cows that need taken care of. And uh, that's, that's what we do. At the end of the day, like we, we, we can bitch, we can complain, we can agree, and we can disagree. But the only, the one thing we have in common is we throw a saddle on the horse in the morning and we, and we take care of cows.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And you know I mean? We, I mean, like I said, I love Danny.
0: G- I, I love that guy. You so, love.
1: Yeah. You just get so many giggles out of him because you don't know what he's going to post and when he's going to post it. But on the other hand that it, it, it matters is, is you don't, know, whether it's Dan Hartman down there in southern Montana, or you down there in Nevada, or me here in central Montana, the reality is, is, and I just, I just want to encourage uh, you and I and the people that are listening to this. You know, I don't even know what the guy's name was that swam because I could care less his name. I care less is he's got an absolute problem is what it boils down to. But the reality is, is I think it just nails and boils down to is let us be an example let us be an example of what true manhood is and moral yeah. character and excellence to the world around us that in is is, is i don't know is cnn or nbc or any of them ever going to magnify us probably not no but our neighbors will our neighbors will see it and our neighbor's kids will see it and the other guy that you're you're cowboying with will see it and i think that's where it boils down to is you know, the media, the media ain't going to sell newspapers by saying, you know, well, Bill Ploof drove his team to go get a load of wood with his family. That ain't going to sell newspapers, but some whack job that, that decides to, to, to swim, you know, in the opposite sex swimming competition that sells newspapers. So it's, it's just a driven thing like that. And so, you know, yeah, I love Dan Hartman. I think he's a great guy and you're right. There's going to be the next Dan Hartman out there, but you and I, and everybody that's listening to this podcast can also be that guy for our, our sphere of influence that they can look at us and say, that's what a man looks like.
0: Well, and I can also say this, like I've told a lot of, a lot of jokes about current events and, uh, and you know, people have downloaded those podcasts. Uh, you know, pretty decently. Um but the two most uh or I I'd say the two guests that that have uh have been downloaded the most have been Boots O'Neill and Dan Hartman. And uh you know, like a long shot, like a lot more downloads than any other episode that I've ever had. Uh so people still love cowboys and people, people like what cowboys are about. Cause uh, like, if, if you're talking cowboys, uh, I'll give you like four names. It's my dad, Wes McKinley, Scott Hall, Boots O'Neill and Dan Hartman. Like th- those are, those are sure enough cow hands. Uh, and those, those are my most popular episodes. So, uh, people still like that stuff.
1: Right on, right on.
0: Yeah. So anyway, uh, Bill, this, this been, a been a really good, good visit. I, I've sure enjoyed, uh, thank you for, for, uh, sitting down with me. I, I do appreciate it.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, I've enjoyed it. You know, like I said, a lot of anticipation, excitement, wonder what it was going to be and where it'd be. And, uh, you know, I mean, I could sit and tell story after story, but you know, it's old oh man, it's knocking on nine o'clock close to the old man's bedtime here, but now that's all good. But you know, I just appreciate this and I appreciate you uh inviting me on and you know, I just hope maybe someday we can meet face to face and shake hands and sit down and tell some more cowboy stories with each other. So man, thanks Matt for having me on.
0: Man, I'd I'd really enjoy that. I uh and and any any other time you wanna come on, you got something you wanna say, let me know and we'll we'll figure something out.
1: Oh, uh, you bet! Maybe I can get on one of them bull sessions. I
0: listened to one of them that one the other day, and I thought, no, that's pretty fun too. So you know, I, so I like appreciate the, it. Those are my favorite. You know, other other than uh, just, I, I like the one on ones. There, there's there's certain people that I'll I'll say like I, I need to say. Uh, well, and I, I'm glad you said let's do one on one. But the the bull sessions are a lot of fun because you never know where they're gonna go. You just yeah you, you have no Brothers. idea. Yeah, like you're just you're 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 talking to cowhands and. Um, it gets a little western, so. <laughs> but but I but I, <laughs> I I enjoy it and people like it. But either way, uh, Bill, man, I I sure do appreciate your time. Uh, it's been an honor, and uh, you're welcome back anytime.
1: Well, thank you, sir.
0: Well, uh, make sure before we go, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, let your wife's YouTube, all that. Let's uh, let's let's yeah. see yeah. if we can yeah, help yeah, you out any.
1: Oh, I, I appreciate it. Delcy at a life of heritage, and then I'm on Facebook, Bill Ploof, You know, and and uh, like I said, I kind of took a little break on the Facebook thing right now. i was just kind of getting a little irritable about some things and trying to get my focus a little better and stuff. But uh, you know, and just if, you know, I, I'm 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 there for people. You know, and and like and I, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. You know, and I'll pray for anybody. You know, I'm I'm there to reach out to. You know, right now we're in hard times and, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit as a pastor for a second here, Matt, but Go ahead. You know, one of the things that has bothered, one of the things that have bothered me and really breaks my heart is when we get in these economic hard times is the suicide rate amongst agriculture goes up drastically. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I say, uh, I'm, I'm there for you. you. You reach out to me with a phone call or, I mean, excuse me, a message on, on Messenger or or you know, just whatever way you can get a hold of me, I'm there for you and I'm there to lean on, to pray for you, to encourage you. You know, this morning I, I the Lord had given me a, a scripture for a good friend of mine and I sent it to him. And I said, hey, the Lord told me to send this to you. And he's like, Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, and and, and I say that because I know at times I need encouragement. You know, and so I guess like I say, I'm I'm here for this community. I'm here for um, for, for the cowboy world. And Matt, if you would let me, can I just pray over our community right now and then and close the show? And if you don't want that, I'm okay with that too.
0: No, uh, th- that, that's fine. I was going to say, uh, on, on that note, I, I I'm the same way. Like if, if you're, if you're, you're feeling like, like there's no way out there, there's always another way out. Like there's always somebody to talk to. And, and I, I don't want that call but if you if you need uh, like if you need somebody to talk to like you can get a hold of me I promise you like you know where I'm at on social media and like I said I it's not something I want to do but it, like if you got nothing else like you give me a call and I'll answer like that that's there's there's always another way and uh, and yeah Bill I, I I'm I'm fine with that I, like we haven't ever done this before but hey whatever it's uh I, I appreciate your time and and uh, i respect that so let's uh yeah go go for it sir
1: well father i thank you right now that even in the midst of this hard time in the economy and even in agriculture that you're not shocked and you're not surprised that you're the god that supplies all our need according to our riches and glory in christ jesus and so father right now just for all the 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 struggling hurting agriculture community and even our nation as, as a whole Father. Father, that we know you haven't given up on us and that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us and that you care about us. And so right now, I just thank you that you're working in each and every one of our lives. And right now, if there is anyone struggling, Father, I ask that you just embrace them, you wrap your arms around them, and you encourage them. And once again, if they need somebody, just help them to reach out to their friends and neighbors, to matter. I. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen
0: bill i appreciate you
1: no oh, I, I appreciate you matt i'm i'm gonna listen to you more just because it, it just it's fun and i thank you for for making the world aware of what a cowboy really is so thank you again for having me and hopefully we can speak again
0: no any anytime you want to come back you let me know and we'll, we'll, we'll do it again i appreciate you and uh everybody else uh thanks for tuning in and uh move your ass we're burning daylight
2: Daddy was an old-time preacher man He preached the word of God throughout the land He preached a plain a child could understand Yes, Daddy was an old-time preacher man He told the people of the need to pray He talked about God's wrath and judgment day He preached about that great heart that you could feel the heat.
1: he was an old-time preacher man, and Leona would get up to testify, as
2: we'd sing in the sweet by-and-by. Then we'd say
1: And camp meetings went for weeks Folks came
2: from all around to hear him preach Daddy said if one is saved it's worth it all But the aisles were always filled at altar call Daddy was an old time preacher man He preached the word of God throughout the land He preached a plain a child can understand. Yes, Daddy was an old-time preacher man. Daddy worked for God but asked no pay. For he believed that God provides a way. We never had a lot but we got by. I guess it's cause the Lord was on my daddy's side. Yes, Daddy was an old-time preacher man. In the sweet by, by, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful show.